Lord, I thank you for what you are doing. I, I thank you for the ways that you're calling people here who are, are hurting and broken, and you want to bring your healing into their lives. I thank you you're bringing people here who want to, to worship you, to, to give you praise. I thank you that you're bringing people here who uh, want to be maturing and deep followers of Jesus. And I pray that we would be faithful uh, to, to, to be that kind of community where those kinds of things are happening. And Lord, we pray that we'd be the kind of people who are a faithful witness to Jesus. That in our individual lives and we as a community would serve as a witness to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a, about four years ago, um, our elders entered in a time, into a time of prayer and discernment about where we believe that God was calling us to go into the future. And it was, it was my plan for us to put together like a five-year vision plan. And uh, wouldn't that have been funny over the last year and a half, trying to <laughs> carry out whatever five-year vision plan that we, that we had? So about four years ago, as we were praying about that, um, God changed the direction for us in that rather seeking to put together a five-year plan for the future, uh, God led us into a time of really discerning and naming who we are as a church, really coming to terms with our identity as a congregation. And uh, during that time, we put together these four characteristics that we've been sharing with you since then. And uh, they are steadfast worship, healing community, uncommon unity, and faithful witness. We believe that these are four characteristics that God has, has, that God has made, that nobody put a plan in place and, and did it. It's just something that God has done over the years as he's shaped this congregation. And so our intention is that each fall we will take a deeper look at one of these different characteristics that we will, our intention is to, to write a curriculum for our small groups and to preach through those in the fall. And uh, so this, this fall, uh, beginning today and over the next 12 weeks, we're going to be looking at this call to be a faithful witness. So this was the statement that we put together uh, about what it means to be a faithful witness that God calls us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world in the city of Fort Wayne and to every other place that the Holy Spirit sends us. That God calls us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world in the city of Fort Wayne and to every other place that the Holy Spirit sends us. And we do that by proclaiming the good news of Jesus and by good works of kindness and justice and mercy. I think we can um, identify some of the many ways that our, our church has done this over the years. Um, the Inasmuch ministry is a great example of that, of recognizing that where we are here in uh, the downtown part of Fort Wayne, and that ministry started because there were people coming to the office doors who needed some help, who needed lunch, who needed some other you know, clothing or, or some food vouchers or whatever it might be. And a couple of our, our secretaries at that time began to minister to them in Jesus' name. And it has, over the last 35 years, grown to be a ministry where 35, about 30 other churches from our city have joined together to help us meet the material needs of the people around us. This is a response that God has given to us to be a faithful witness. There are many, many others. We have ministries that have met the needs of hurting and broken women, Wings of Hope and Hope Alive in the 410 ministry. We have ministries that, that work with refugees and immigrants in our city. 
About six years ago, there was a movement of evangelism in our city called Revive Indiana that called people to go out onto the streets and to pray with people and to, to, to be a tangible tangible voice in offering people the good news of Jesus. And that ministry has continued on with our evangelism team that, that meet monthly to go out um, into the streets and to pray with people and to proclaim the good news. As well, uh, Broadway Christian Church over our history has sent a lot of missionaries overseas. Um, in just about uh, see, 1974, there's been like 47 years, there's been over 40 families who have been sent overseas to do full-time mission work. That, that's a unique thing, that in just over 40 years that we've sent 40 families to go and to do mission work overseas full-time. I don't think that we really, there's not a lot of churches that do that. This calling for us to be a faithful witness has mobilized and called people to, to go overseas. And then in addition, there's been hundreds of people who have been sent on short-term mission projects over the years. And this is a way that we are called to be a, a faithful witness. And then I think also our, our worship gatherings on Sunday. There is something about the way that, that we gather as a church and worship God that points people vertically to him. We, we don't do a lot of flash or a lot of performance. We want people to be directed to the Lord. And so we invite people to come forward and to pray in their own brokenness, in their own hurt, and in that prayer time to be directed to Jesus for their healing. And so I think even as in the way that we worship on Sunday, we are being a faithful witness. You guys are really quiet today. <laughs> this is good news, right? <laughs> okay, all right. We are called to be faithful witnesses. Thank you. Let's give God praise for that. So we have this conviction at Broadway Christian Church that God, our maker... The one who sustains all things, the one who's the beginning and the end, the great I am, that he wants to be known by people, and that it's our privilege and responsibility to point people to him. Let me just say that again. That, that the God, our maker, wants to be known by people, and that it's our privilege and responsi people, responsibility to point people to him. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to look at this theme of faithful witness throughout the biblical story. Uh, these first three weeks, we're going to look at this, this big picture of this theme and how it's traced throughout the scriptures. Um, this week, we're going to talk about how God wants to be known, that he makes himself known to people, and then he calls people to be a witness. And we're going to look at a couple of examples in scriptures of, uh, of how that, that pattern happens, how God makes himself known and then calls people to be a witness. Next week, we're going to look at the work of Jesus, who is the faithful witness that all of us need. And then uh, two weeks from now, in week three, we're going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit, who inspires and who equips and sends people to be his witness in the world. And then the rest of the, the time, um, our sermons are going to focus on the book of Acts and the New Testament letters and look at how the early church lived out this calling to be faithful witnesses in their own context. Well, there's three points today, so you get out your notes and write these down, okay? Here's, our, here's the three points for today. First, that God wants to be known. God wants to be known. Second, 
that God wants to be known by his people and through his people. That God wants to be known by his people and through his people. And then the third point is that God wants to be known by you and through you. God wants to be known. God wants to be known by his people and through his people. And God wants to be known by you and through you. So first, let's talk about how God wants to be known. This, this has to be said. There are many people in our world today who would say that God is hiding, that, that God is difficult to find, and there are some ways in which that is true. But God wants to be known, and he does and is and is always revealing himself to people. All right, good. Okay, first, Psalm 19, we see that God is revealing himself through creation. Psalm 19 verses 1 through 4 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. God is making himself known through creation, if we will open our eyes and see. Paul says, in not quite as poetic of words as Psalm 19, but very clearly in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, he says, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. Being understood from the creation around us so that people are without excuse. God is being made known, makes himself known through creation. There's a, a poet named Mary Oliver, and she has this wonderful poem that I think expresses this idea. She says this, Why do people keep asking for God's identity papers when the darkness opening into morning is more than enough? Think of Sheba approaching the kingdom of Solomon. Do you think she had to ask, is this the place? <laughs> a couple Sundays ago, I, I mentioned how I had that experience, sitting on my porch in the morning, working on my sermon, and there was just this beautiful sunrise, and I had this experience of God's reality, that he was real, that he was present, that he was a creator. Last night, Katie and I were sitting on the porch, and we got to watch, like right in front of us, like four feet in front of us, this spider do his entire web. Just got to sit there and watch the beauty of God's creation. God reveals himself through creation. Romans 1 is clear that all humanity knows, can't not know, that there is a creator. When creation is every day staring us right in the face. God wants to be known, and as our creator, he displays himself over and over through the creation that he has made. But God is not only creator. God did not create the world, send it spinning, and then walk away. He is intimately involved in every aspect of our world, in every aspect of creation, in every aspect of your life. He is our redeemer. He is our Savior. He is merciful. He is kind. He is just. He is holy. 
And God wants to be known by us in all of those ways. He wants us to know his character and his goodness. And so the way that he makes himself known in those ways is that he moves into the lives of people and reveals himself in specific ways so that people can come to know his character, his mercy, his kindness, his grace, his justice, his holiness. In the whole Bible, the whole Bible can be read as the story of God making himself known as Emmanuel, God with us. Over and over and over again, making his presence available to people, saving people out of darkness and bringing them into the light, rescuing people from death and bringing them to life. And then he calls those people who experience him in those ways to then go and to be a witness to others about what they have experienced and seen from him. God chooses people. He does some work in their life, some specific work. He calls them then to be witnesses to the nations about what he has done, what they have seen. And we see this throughout the scriptures in the calling and sending of Abraham, in the calling of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land, in the calling of the the, the individual prophets in Israel. In the life of John the Baptist, who was chosen and called by God to then point the way and prepare the way for Jesus. In the calling of the disciples, who were were chosen by Jesus specifically and then sent out two by two to be witnesses to his ministry. And then in the book of Acts, we read how the early church is empowered by the Spirit to go and be witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is the story that we are a part of right now. This is God's pattern. God makes himself known to people in some unique way, and then he calls them to be witnesses to that, to tell about what they have seen and experienced. And that is really what a a witness is. A witness is someone who has seen something and then tells other people about it. Someone who has seen something and then tells other people about it. Think about a witness in a courtroom. Why is a witness brought into a courtroom? Is it to give their opinion? Is is it to give their, their thoughts on whether or not the defendant is guilty or innocent? No. A witness has one job. That is to tell about what they saw. That they saw something that no one else in the courtroom saw. And it's their job, their responsibility, their only responsibility as a witness to say what they saw. The word witness comes from the Greek word, or the Greek word for witness is martyrion, M-A-R-T-Y-R-I-O-N. And the first part of that word is martyr, one who dies for their faith. Someone who dies for, the pay, for their faith, who pays the ultimate price for their faith, is one who is a witness to what they believe. Jesus' call for us is to be witnesses. That our whole life, our whole life, and maybe even our death, would be lived as a response to the work that he has done in our life. That's the call to be a witness. 
So this is the pattern that we see throughout Scripture. God wants to be known. He reveals himself specifically to people, and then he calls those people to be a witness to what he has seen. And I want to walk through one example of this today, and it's the story of Israel and their deliverance out of Egypt, and then God's calling for them to be a witness to the nations. So you know the story of the Exodus. The people of Israel had been for generations slaves in Egypt. God decides that he is going to come down and to rescue the Israelites. And through those ten plagues, God delivers Israel out of Egypt, takes them through the Red Sea, and they begin to wander in the wilderness. And so they're there for a few months, and they come to uh, Mount Sinai, Exodus chapter 19. If you would turn in your Bibles there to Exodus chapter 19. And they come to Mount Sinai, and this is what God says to them now. Now that I have rescued you, here's what I'm now calling you to do. Here's what I'm calling you to be about. Exodus chapter 19, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. In the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. Notice this. You yourselves have seen what I did. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on the eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. God said, you have seen what I have done. You are now a witness to my power. You are now a witness to my work in your life. Israel, you have seen my work of salvation in your life. I brought you up out of Egypt and I delivered you. And so what's clear in this pattern is that God always acts first. God makes himself known to the people of Israel through his saving work out of Egypt. But then God is clear that because of that, he gives them a task to live in the world in a particular kind of way, a way that will make God known to the nations. In Exodus chapter 19, God tells them that they are now a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And both of these titles, both of these roles that God has called Israel to are the role of making God known to the nations. The priests in Israel were given the responsibility to teach their fellow Israelites about God. It was their responsibility through the work of priests to teach them the law, to teach uh, the people about God's character, and to teach people how to honor God with their own lives. The Levites were the priestly tribe. There were 12 tribes in Israel. The Levites were the priestly tribe. And if you remember, when God began to divide up the land, the promised land, there were... Eleven tribes that got a piece of land, and one tribe that did not, and it was the Levites, the priests. 
the Levites didn't get any land of their own. Instead, they were sent and scattered into the other 11 tribes. So that there would be priests living in and among all of the different tribes of Israel. They were called to be there in order to teach people about who God is. To make God known to all of the different people of Israel. And so God says to Israel here that you as a whole nation are going to play a similar role to the nations. That you are going to live in the world and to make God known to the nations. You are a kingdom of priests. Your responsibility among all of the nations is the same responsibility that the priests in Israel have for Israel. To make God known. And God tells them they have another role, another responsibility as well. They are to be a holy nation. Usually when we think of holy, we think of of perfection and righteousness, and certainly that is part of what it means to be holy. But holy really means to be set apart. That you are a set-apart nation, a set-apart society, a people set apart for a specific purpose. And part of that purpose was that their way of life, their way of being a nation, their way of being a society would make God known to the world around them. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. And here, Moses gives the people the purpose of the law, which is to make God known among the nations. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. This is at least one of the purposes of the law. Deuteronomy 4, verses 5 through 8. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations, who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way that the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? One of the purposes of the law was that Israel's way of life, the way that they interacted with one another, was to prompt the nations around them to inquire about their God. To come to know the character of God through their way of life. So in Exodus 19, we have this pattern. God says, I act, I have saved you, I have done this work in your life, and now I'm going to place you in the world to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. To in some way be a witness to the world of my character and of who I am. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. And we hear Peter's teaching to the church where he uses Exodus chapter 19 as a way for us to understand our calling as the church. 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 9 through 12. And as I read this, listen for the echoes of Exodus chapter 19 and 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 9 through 12. Peter writes... You are a chosen people, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter is telling the church that God has rescued us. That, he, that we are a people who have been given a new identity and has given, been given that same calling that God gave to Israel to be a kingdom of priests, people who let the nations know who God is, and a holy nation, a group of people who live in such a way that they would inquire about who God is. We are a royal priesthood. And a holy nation, our way of life as Christians in the world, living together as one body in our unity, in our care, in our love for one another, as well as by the words that we speak to the world, is to be a witness, to make him known. So God wants to be known. God wants to be known by his people and through his people. We hear that in Exodus 19 and in 1 Peter 2. I want to finish today by making this very personal, that God wants you to know him, and he wants to be known through you. God wants you to know him, and he wants to be known through you. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you have some unique story about the work of how God made himself known to you. Some testimony, some witness of his work in your life. And I want to remind you today that God wants to continue to know you day by day. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance of finding our own way with Scripture and with prayer. That prayer and Scripture is this invitation to daily come and to know God. To be with Him. To enjoy Him. And to know Him. I want to remind you also today that God wants you to know him through your own unique experiences, through your own joys and your pains and your struggles. And sometimes it seems that God especially wants to be known in our pain, especially wants to be known in our pain. In our lives, we're very good at pushing away our pain, fighting against it, trying our hardest to avoid it. But time and time again, the testimony of God's people is that God shows up to us and makes himself known to us in our pain. And so in the pain and disappointments and fears and frustrations of your own life, God wants to come and he wants to show himself very real to you. He wants you to know him. He wants to be known by you as your comforter and your healer and your friend. He wants to be known to you in those places so that you can then let others know, to give testimony, witness to the way that God has brought healing in his work in your own life. And God wants to be known through you. As you come to know him, he also wants to be known through you. I want to read a a passage from a book. It's called Adorning the Dark by Andrew Peterson. Andrew Peterson is a music artist that I appreciate, and he 
talks at the beginning of this book about his own struggle, his own vocation and calling to be an artist and to put his music out in the world and how uh, difficult and humbling and uh, sometimes humiliating that experience was. And so he talks at the beginning of this book about how he really had to grab on to this truth that God called him and that he had a unique thing to offer to the world. And I want to read through this and then uh, share a few words about it for each one of us. He quotes um, a man named George MacDonald, who was a pastor in the 19th century. And George MacDonald says this, As the fir tree lifts up itself with a far different need from the palm tree, so does each man stand before God and lift up a different humanity to the common father. And for each... God has a different response. With every man, he has a secret, the secret of the new name. This quote from George MacDonald was in a sermon about that passage in Revelation where it talks about how God has uh, the people who remain faithful will receive a rock with their own name on it. And this is a sermon um, about that. With every man, he has a secret, the secret of the new name. In every man there is a loneliness, an inner chamber of peculiar life into which only God can enter. There's a part of your heart that only God knows and only he is allowed there. A chamber in which no brother or sister can come. And then MacDonald says this, From this it follows that there is a chamber also, a chamber in God himself into which no one can enter but the one, the individual, out of which chamber that man has to bring revelation and strength to his brothers. That is that for which he was made to reveal the secret things of the Father. And then Andrew Peterson goes on to say, this is to say that you know and understand things about the heart of God that only you can teach. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. Could it be that those rooms are inner chambers in the heart of God, each of which has an individual's name on it? And if this is true, and I'd like to believe it is, then all I have to do is to tell about my Lord and my God. Because I know him intimately, uniquely, It may be a revelation, in a sense, of the secret things of the Father. This is part of my calling, to make known the heart of God to others. And because he holds a special place in his heart for me and me alone, just as he holds a special place for you, my story stands a chance to be edifying to my sisters and brothers. Just as your story, your insight, your revelation of God's heart is something that the rest of us need to hear. That God wants to be known through you in your particular way that you have encountered him. The way that God has redeemed your life. The way that God has overcome your pain or your struggle or your trial or your addiction. God wants to be known to the uh, God wants to be known to the world through your own witness, through your own story. And so over the next 12 weeks, here is what our hope, our hope is for two things. First is that you would remember the work of God in your life. 
that you would remember the work of God in your life, that you would bring that to your attention? Have you forgotten your story? Have you grown cold to your first love? And that you would remember the unique way that God has made himself known to you. And that you would then take new steps in knowing how to be a witness to his work in your life. Those are the two goals that we have for the next 12 weeks. That you would remember, you you would remember the work that God has done for you. And that you would learn to take new steps in bearing witness to that. Of telling others about what he has done for you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would make us a church of faithful witnesses. People who know and who have experienced the salvation and grace and mercy of Jesus. Have been set free from addiction. Have been set free from sin, despair, hopelessness. And have brought in, been brought into eternal life. Your life and your light. And God, I pray that you would make us people who bear witness to that to others. God, that we would know our story with you well enough to be able to tell it. And Lord, I pray that over the next 12 weeks that people would come to know who Jesus is through our stories. Lord, that whatever it is that we have experienced of you, some insight into your heart, into your character, that as we are bold enough to share that with others, that they would come in contact with you with your reality, and come to know you too. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.